0: All right. Uh, I have a question I need answered. So, what's the difference between people from Dubai and people from Abu Dhabi? Anyone know? No? Well, I heard that people from Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but people from Abu Dhabi do. Sorry. That's a dad joke, you know. Dad jokes are good, though. Especially good for the kids all right well as you know we've been uh studying the prayer and uh we've had about what three weeks into it now i think it is and uh we've looked at a few different uh, things about prayer last week we talked about the privilege of prayer right and that there are things we can glean from scripture as to who can pray who really has the privilege to pray one of the things we saw was, of course, children of God who seek out God's help, who are obedient, who are humble, who seek out God's will in their lives, that their prayers are heard, right? Their prayers mean something. Their prayers are good and effective. We read many scriptures. Of course, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? We know that scripture. And we know we have to come to him in faith. We have to come to him uh, with humility, and we have to th- have things in our lives that are not um, hindering us, like, uh, you know, works of the flesh, you might say, that we talked about in, when we were studying Galatians. We need to be walking in the Spirit, that don't, and that don't mean we're perfect, that we're sinless, but that we are striving to be like Christ, that we are living a life in dedication to Him. And through that, we have our prayers heard doesn't necessarily mean we're gonna get what we want from our prayers right but we have prayers that are heard by God and in effect that lines up our will with him right and we understand more about who what his uh, desire is what his will is for us in our lives and so through that we have the privilege of prayer and then we also read some particularly in the example of Cornelius Centurion of a sinner who is seeking who was uh, seeking from his heart, uh, wants to know who God is, wants, he desires salvation, desires to know the truth, and God hears that person, and God will provide a way for that person to hear the way of salvation. When we talked about that when we read the scriptures from Acts, right? Talking about the conversion of Cornelius and how he was a good man who gave alms and prayed continuously. he did not know the gospel and so peter right god came to peter in the vision and said told him to go go speak to this man so he can hear words by which he could be saved and we gleaned from that that it wasn't necessarily the prayers that saved him right he was being heard by god but he still had to obey the gospel just like anybody anybody else that's in the kingdom today so we saw that we saw the righteous children of god someone who's been set apart not on their own uh, volition but by the grace of god and then those sinners who are seeking out the truth and seeking out for god remember he said ask and you shall be given seek and you shall find so these are things that we can glean from the privilege of prayer you know we hear in the world today you know when something happens everybody says uh we're praying for this and that you know and and, and people just think, well, we, anybody can just pray, you know, no matter what kind of life I'm living, right? No matter whether I really believe, no, that's not true. We have to come to Him in faith, faith that makes us act in a way that is pleasing to God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. We're going to look at the, the pr- principles, perhaps you might say, of prayer. We're going to see how we can fully benefit uh, with prayer and what, what that entails, what what principles need to be observed to do that, to make sure that God hears our prayers. And remember, when I say hears our prayers, it doesn't mean His answers are going to be what we want, but our will is going to be lined up with His. That's the whole goal, right? God allows us to come into the throne room to speak to Him, just like we would do with our biological father or someone here on earth, and, and ask him for things or and pray for others. Thank him. Confess our shortcomings to him and give him our praise. Those things are all part of this, right? But what are the true principles that we need to be looking into? Well, I just mentioned a couple there. Of course, prayer requires faith. Matthew 21 says, and Matthew 21, verse 22, and all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. You see, you gotta have faith to pray. If you don't believe in God, what's the point? If he if he doesn't, if he knows you don't believe in him, if he knows that you don't have any use for him, what good does it to do to pray? No good. You have to come into him in faith, and that's a faith that is from the heart, not just head knowledge, right? Not just saying, "Oh, I believe in a higher being." No, you gotta know him. You gotta have a relationship. To him, just like you would have a relationship with your earthly parents, right? you got to have the ability to speak with a God that knows you, and you should know him through that faith. It's a little bit more than just saying, I believe, is what I'm trying to get at. Turn over to James chapter 1, and let's read what James said about this. (coughs) James chapter 1. And uh, let's see. Let's just begin... And of course one of the great the examples that comes to mind when we read that is when Jesus walked on the water you remember the the story of when he walked on the water and the disciples were in this boat and the storm was raging and the boat was tossed to and fro and here's Jesus walking over and Peter says I'm coming to you right and he comes out and what's happened he sinks and Jesus says it's because of your lack of faith you see if you have true humble faith you can pray. Your prayers will be heard. And you can expect things to happen because of it. Yeah, it may not be exactly what you want. may not be exactly the outcome that you want. But you can expect God's will to be done. That's through your faithful, heartfelt prayer. you got to have faith in God. Hebrews eleven six says, He is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does that mean exactly? Yeah, we we talk about the diligence, the the asking and and seeking. And of course, we understand if we stay faithful to the end, we're rewarded with our Heavenly Father being in heaven with him forever. But also on earth, remember we we read at the end of John, these words are written so that you can know him and have abundant life. And he's talking about now. Not just in eternity after when, and then in uh, when heaven, but now you can have abundant life now. you can expect things to happen in your life now through a diligent, faithful prayer. That's what the Hebrew writer is trying to say that. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The closer you come to him, the closer he comes to you and he's going to reward you just like I mean well you are just like you are his child. He is going to give you things he wants to give you what you need and that's through that prayer also we understand from Romans 10 uh, verse 17 that faith comes through what? hearing, right? hearing the word of God through that word of God we have faith we know what he we, we read what he has revealed to us we understand who he is his character and therefore through that we have faith and through that faith We can come to him and have an effective prayer. What a glorious thing that is. But it's not something to be uh, just, you know, um, what am I trying to say? It's not something that should be taken lightly, right? It's something that we should constantly harp on and think about. Is our faith where it should be? And asking him to help us with that, right? Asking him to help us with that faith. Help us to believe in him more, understand him more believing that when we ask of things, it's gonna happen. Some of us went out and knocked doors yesterday for the Focus Sunday. And when you do that, you know, you might get, what, one or two people out of 10 that'll even come to the door, right? And probably out of all those, you hope maybe one person might decide to come, right? But most of the times, that's not even the case. That can be very discouraging, right? But if you're faithful to do these things, faithful to pray to him things are going to happen things are going to be good it is very true and scriptural to understand that that is the case with the aid of the word we can have that kind of faith that pleases god and assures answer to our prayers and i don't mean the answer that you want necessarily but god is going to hear it and he's going to answer one way or the other what else we have to do? What is another principle of prayer? Well, mentioned before, we need to be humble. We need to have a spirit or a heart that's contrite, understanding who we are. We're not worthy. Yeah, that's the phrase, but it's very true. We need to be humble when we come to the Lord. We need to be contrite. We need to be, as Isaiah 66 says, he says, on this I will look, on him who is of poor and contrite spirit. That scripture is one of many where God says, if you humble yourself before me, I will reward you. I will look upon you. I will hear your humble prayer. So humility is a big part of it. Psalm 34, the Lord is near and saves those with contrite spirit. We can't go into a prayer thinking I'm not a sinner. All right? I'm not frail. I'm not unworthy. Right? We have to understand who we are and God, how great God is, how he is in that relationship with us. Proverbs 3.34 says he gives grace to the humble. It's very true. If you're not humble, if you're proud, if you don't think you need God, what's the point, right? What's he going to do for you? If you don't think he need, you need him, what's the what's even reason to do it, right? Humility of prayer is exemplified in a couple of parables, and I want to read one of them. Let's turn over to uh, Luke chapter 18 and see what we can read from that dealing with prayer. <coughs> Luke chapter 18, and this, of course, is the, uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, uh, beginning in verse 9, <coughs> where says that, Also he spoke this parable to some, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. In other words, they were very arrogant. They were not humble, right? Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with themselves, God, I, think, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What a powerful verse there right at the end, right? Wow. We have this Pharisee who's supposed to be a religious man, supposed to be um, teaching others who God is, understanding the law, knows the law, but has become completely puffed up about it, so conceited in himself that he has completely removed humility from his character. And here we have this tax collector. Tax collectors were considered the greatest of sinners because they would enrich themselves, right? Right? They would take taxes for uh, uh, Caesar, but then they would add on top of that so they could make the extra money and gouge the people, you might say. Yet here's a tax collector who who has come to God in prayer, humble, saying, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. And Jesus said, he has gone home justified because of that. He has come before me with contrite spirit. Humility leads to as we just read in that last verse exaltation what does that mean exactly god will exalt the humble spirit the humble person who has come to him in contrite spirit james 4 and verse 10 says humble yourselves in the sight of the lord and you know the rest of it right and he will lift you up we sing that song right because it's true you humble yourself before God, he will exalt you. That doesn't mean he makes you great or anything, but he will lift you up and hold you in his hand and forgive you and provide for you and set you aside, sanctified, saved and put you to work in the kingdom. That's glorious. That's being exalted, that's being raised up out of the the, the mud, the pit of sin, right? And beginning a new life, pure and clean, in response to his love. That's an awesome thing, right? We know that through the scripture, we know that through these parables, faith and humility before God allows our prayers to be heard. It's through that relationship we have with him, right? What else can we say as a principle of, uh, of prayer, a principle that we need to be considering? Well, we kind of mentioned it already, but we need to pray in harmony with God's will. Okay? What's that mean exactly? Well, I've heard it said that perhaps the biggest reason to pray is to line up our will with God's will, right? But do you ever kind of notice your prayer sometimes kind of going the other way perhaps? You're trying to line god's will up with your will you ever do that perhaps that's something that can kind of creep in we may not even realize it sometimes right or perhaps we're going something pretty bad and we need god to do something about it and that's not necessarily bad we could still be humble asking him to provide for things for us doing something that perhaps is for us alone maybe even selfish i hate to use the word if you're Going to him and humbly and, and with a contrite spirit. But we are to understand his will, and through that prayer, we need to know what he wants us to do. Well, God's will in our prayers is to pray. We are, are to be uh, that we would do things in accordance with his will. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5. Let's see what he says there, what John says. In verse, uh, 1 John 5 and verse 14. He said, "Now, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. You see, when we are asking him things in prayer in accordance with the way he wishes it to be done. He's going to hear us. And that's kind of part of that thing about coming to him with a uh, w- with things that are not in our lives that are hindering us, right? We talked about how if we're upset with a brother, we have issues with a brother, with our spouses, that can hinder your prayers, things like that. We need to come to him in accordance with his will. That's part of that humility too, right? We come to him humbly wanting to know wanting to know what he wants for us when you become a christian in essence you should have turned your life over to him i know that's easier said than done right and that's a process it's a growth process right you don't just become perfect when you turn your life over to him you're forgiven you're pure you're clean you've been washed but it's a growth process we begin a new life romans 6 right But that new life, we have to grow just from like a babe grows to an adult. And as part of that, we learn what God's will is. We learn what it is in the uh, collective church. We learn what it is in the world. And we learn what it is for our personal lives. Therefore, when we're coming to him trying to do the things in accordance with his will, he's going to hear it. It's not just about I think this or I think that. It's understanding the word, being humble about it, believing in him, and trying to understand his will for us. If prayer is more concerned with our will than God's will, well, turn it over to James there in chapter 4 and let's see what he says. James chapter 4. And let's just begin in verse 1. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war that you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do, not know, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Jealously? Those are some pretty powerful words. Where does war come from? From your desires for pleasure. Wow, and and that's very true, isn't it? Where do fights come from? Because you you want something for yourself that somebody else has, or you want something for yourself that you can't get without fighting up before it. Right, and and maybe there are some things worth fighting for. But what he's saying here is, if you're doing things out of selfish ambition, if you're doing things because you just want something for yourself, if you're being an adulterer, and in this case, he's saying adulterers in, in that you've forsaken God, it's going to be a problem. And your prayer is not going to be heard. And if you're in the world, living like folks in the world, prayer is not going to be heard. We have to be in the world. We're in the flesh, but we are set apart. That doesn't mean we're puffed up. doesn't mean we're conceited. We're humble about it. God has saved us on nothing we did, nothing we could do about it. He saved us through his grace. But we serve, we obey, and when we come to him in prayer, we do it in accordance with his will. It's easy to get caught up in the world, though, isn't it? It's easy to follow along with the trend that's going on, right? It's easy to get away from the truth because that's what everybody's doing, right? If you're living like people in the world, that's something you may need to think about before you get down on your knees. I know, we're all tempted with different things. We struggle with certain things. We're not perfect but we have an out. We can have help and strength through prayer, through others in the church, through our scripture reading. And if there are things like that going on in your life, you can get away from it. You can remove it. It's possible. And by doing so, your prayer is going to be heard and he's going to help you do it. Remember, even then, if you've got things hindering your prayers, if you come to him in contrite spirit, he will help and he will listen. His will will be done. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. You've probably been wondering when we were going to get to this, so today's the day. Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Jesus taught us how to pray. You may not even know that, do you? I don't know. We have the prayer that I'm sure you've probably quoted many times. But he tells us how to pray in accordance with his will. Look at verse 8, Matthew 6. Therefore, do not be like them. Who's he talking about? Scribes and Pharisees, those of the world. For your Father knows the things you you have need before you ask him. But in this manner, therefore, you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also forgive you. if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus taught us how to pray, but I want you to notice there's the verses around the prayer there. He says, do not be like them who pray in public for show. And you better be forgiving people of their trespasses or God's not going to forgive you you think well that makes sense right that's common sense that's common knowledge but sometimes we don't practice it do we sometimes we let those things happen in our lives may not even really understand or know that it's going on we pray that his will be done just like Jesus did in Luke 22 go over to Luke 22 let's read what Jesus said Jesus is in the garden, and uh, let's start in Luke 22, uh, verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. He's praying that if it's possible, he not have to go through the crucifixion. It's weighing on him. It is troubling him to the deepest part of his soul but then what's he say? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, be done. In our lives, when something needs to be done, do you answer the call in the church, perhaps at home, it work? Are you one of those people that gets up and says I'll do it, I'll take care of it, or do you kind of wait and let well somebody else will take care of that? I'm 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 not I don't have time for that, and not really the best person to do that. You ever think about doing things simply because that's God's will, no matter what, who, or where I am? Maybe that's something you might want to think about doing. I need to do something just because God said do it, whether I want to or can or i am available. I might even need to set something aside to do something. And yeah, I know we're all busy. We have things going on. But I'm going to tell you something. I bet if you did that, you're going to see things in your prayer life that are going to change you might see things in your life that change because of it. Interesting point, right? It's not just about doing God's will, it's about having that humble spirit and saying, I'm available because I turn my life over to Him and He's in control. It's not about me anymore, it's about Him. And whatever happens to me, happens to me. Nothing happens matters really because I'm going to be rewarded easier said than done, I understand but we just read there in John chapter 4 such praying will make uh, make it easier when we try to do God's will with God, with God faith in God, in God and humility toward him and, and trying to line up his will we can do great things through prayer What's something else that needs to be done in prayer? Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things to God. uh, Philippians 4.6, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2, and prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.17-18, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. Kind of goes with the humility thing anyways. If you're truly humble you truly understand what God has done for you it should go without saying you're going to be thankful right you're going to be gracious you're going to have gratitude and God wants that he expects you to be gracious he expects you to be thankful for what He's done for you God's people are always to be thankful turn over to Psalm 100 let's read that It's a little short little psalm but it's very powerful when what it says. Psalm 100. <clears throat> Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations powerful song right there short, sweet and says it all really God is great and therefore we should be thankful we should be thankful that we have a great God can you imagine going through this life without it No, I can't. Yeah, people in the world say they don't need God. I can't live without Him. I can't imagine living without God. And I am so thankful that He gave me a way to hope. Because what would be the point without it? You know? We'd just be here, I guess, existing for a little while, and then we're gone. What's the point? You know? Got to have an attitude of graciousness. And in fact, let's turn over to 2 Timothy and read something about what might happen if we're not gracious. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. verse 1 but know this that in the last days perilous times will come you get the feeling we're in the last days do you think we're in the last days perilous times will come I do for men will be lovers of themselves number one lovers of money two boasters three Proud, four, blasphemers, five, disobedient parents, oh, we got that, six, unthankful, seven, unholy, eight, unloving, nine, unforgiving, ten, slanderers, eleven, without self-control, twelve, butyl, thirteen, despisers of good, fourteen, traitors, fifteen, headstrong, sixteen, haughty, seventeen, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 18, having a form of godliness but denying his power. 19, and from such people, turn away. He just described the world, the world as we know it. It's been that way really for a long time. Perhaps today we have so many ways to, I don't, media, right? Why do you say media? We have so many ways to hear the news, right? And you hear so many different things that you didn't hear 100 years ago, 50 years ago. So maybe it just seems to be worse. I don't know. I think it is getting worse. And I'm sure a lot of you would agree. You've been around a while. <clears throat> really and truly, it comes from humility, right? To be, to consider yourself a sinner, a sinner. You got to be humble. You got to believe that you can't help yourself. And these people he's describing here, not that way. We don't need God. I can handle everything. Need to be thankful. That comes first. If you're not thankful, you're not going to be humble. If you're not thankful, you're not going to have faith. If you're not thankful, you're not going to be seeking His will. Do we really think God is going to help us if we're not thankful? No. That's part of that relationship. You're thankful that your parents provided for you, right? You're thankful that you have people in your lives that provide something for you, whether that's love, whether that's friendship, whether there's some financial help, whatever it is, physical help. You're thankful for that, right? Because there's things you can't do on your own. Sorry, I'm getting a little loud today, but this is, this is heart stuff, right? And lastly, our prayers should be prayed in the name of Jesus. Turn over to John chapter 14. Let's read about that. John chapter 14 and verse 12. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's telling this to the disciples, right? He's also telling this to us. See, it's not just about saying in Jesus' name at the end of a prayer. It's understanding in faith and humility with thanksgiving that when I speak in Jesus' name, things are going to happen in my life and in others. That's what we mean by that. It has to be fully in faith in his name and being bold, bold enough to say his name. Understanding that whatever happens to me doesn't matter. Yeah, that's easy to say, isn't it? But very true. Paul taught this in Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. Looking back, commanded them, pray, do things in his name, Right? John 14 verse six there stay in the chapter jesus said to him i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me it's not through buddha it's not through muhammad it's not through uh, confucius whoever it's only through jesus christ that's it he say, well you're you're not very politically correct i don't care I'm going to say I believe in Jesus Christ who died for my sin, gave me hope. And that's what we're talking about. Having the faith that you can stand in a public court and speak without fear. Without fear of what the world's going to do to you because of it. That's what we're talking about praying in his name yeah we need to do that in our prayers here home wherever it is but it's a little more than just saying that so in summary really the principles of prayer we examine we must pray in faith with humility with harmony with will of god and with thanksgiving and in his name we can't overestimate the value of the word of god with this either right faith comes from the word of god humility is learned from reading the word of god If you want to be humble, get in the word. Knowing the will of God is impossible. Without the word of God, you can't know if you're not reading it. Understanding it, thanksgiving is easier. When we fully understand the blessings we have through the word of God, the importance of having Jesus as our high priest, which we read about in Hebrews, is revealed in the word of God. If you want to understand what it means to have a high priest, how Jesus is our mediator, how it's through him that we come to the throne room of God and are able to speak directly to him. Read Hebrews, read the whole thing. It'll give you such a great understanding of who Christ is, what his purpose was, and how he is actively working in our lives. Without the word of God as our guide, it's hard to... Observe the principles of prayer, and you're not going to be able to have effective prayer without the Word of God. you got to be in it, and you need to be putting it in practice. And every day, you need to be on your knees. Thanks for being here.